inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. All right. Welcome to the show. Carrie, are you live? I hope so. Yes, you are. I hear you. And welcome. It is Monday. Yeah, sure feels like a Monday. <laughs> a bit slow going here today. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we do have a guest, but we're not quite sure yet on the quality, but I believe he has signed back in. So mm-hmm. let's, let's give this a try. Hello, uh, Peter Field. All right, can you hear us? Yeah, so we invited a guest on today. <laughs> yeah, we're and having... Then, and then he had an unforeseen fluke thing happen out in British Columbia where he is. Uh, I don't know if we can put this on global warming or not, but... Uh. Yeah, so there's some, some major landslides going on in British Columbia where our guest is from today. And um, yeah, so there's no power. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there was power and then there wasn't. So I think he charged up his phone. Um, yeah, he said he had lots of juice on his phone, but it was still, before we went on air, we tested it, and it was pretty choppy, so. Yeah, so actually, we've been doing some configuring here, me and uh, Tim, the manager, station manager here, to get some stuff working through the board and have Zoom up and running, and I did my first ever Zoom interview um, uh, uh, this past Friday on my music show, Chin Music. Um, yeah, so, and that went great. And that went well, because there was internet and there was no power outage, but... Um, I think Peter did, you can hear a voice over there in the background. That's the screen reader that Carrie and I use. Um, but Peter, can you hear us? I think maybe he can hear us, but he's not coming through. Um, well, you, we, we had him, but he was choppy, but then we asked him to call back in. So that might have... Well, he's called back in. We have no, him No, I know, here. but I'm saying when you call back in something... Maybe there's just no... It's either that happen. or there's an issue on the board that it won't... Um, mm-hmm. That it's not configured properly. Um, so yeah, I'm not really sure what Carrie, what we should do. This is a live show, so we should just... Well, we can, I can, if you need to work on something there, I can talk for a minute if you want. (laughs) Okay, I'll be right back. Okay. It sounds like you're leaving. Anyway, welcome everyone, Radio Western listeners, students, uh, anybody listening on the dial, 94.9, CHRW. So, they have no problem Uh, so he's on his it's a wintry day. There were giant snowflakes when we walked in here. But um, yeah, Brian's been using Zoom in here. And it's pretty cool because you can, with the Mac laptops, now voiceover works for us to be able to do these sort of things. But uh, fortunately, we can't control the weather and we can't control these fluke accidents. <laughs> um, today, we were going to talk with Peter Field who we just sort of met recently, and I can go to give his intro, but we may not get to him. Unfortunately, we'll have to reschedule. Um, but uh, we wanted to talk to him about a, a bunch of stuff, including a podcast that he's a part of, and uh, it's called Triple Vision, which again, with the our show with Brian and I, our brother and sister, both blind. So, of course, everything we do, <laughs> you always put the word vision or sight or something in the title. Um, but... I like the name that they went with this group and this podcast. So, um, Peter is one of the ones who've been working on it. And uh, they say it's the window into the past, present, and future of blindness in Canada. So, that's important. And uh, they're a part of something called the Pandora Project, which I actually think is a pretty, pretty <laughs> badass name. Um, <laughs> the Pandora Project. Uh, so we wanted to ask Peter about what exactly that is, and I think it's like a three-pronged thing. The, a group of them got together, I think they're all sort of friends, and uh, spread out across Canada. And they wanted to um, start a podcast talking about the history of blindness in Canada, and then the present for us who are living in Canada now as blind people, and then where we're going in the future. So that's one prong, I guess, of it. And then they also um, wanted to write a book about blindness in Canada. And 
Also, they want to create a curriculum, like some materials for schools to teach about blindness. And of course, there's so much these days that kids are learning in school. So many things. Now that with diversity, it's the thing. How are we doing, guys? Sorry, you're working on it. Keep going. Um, yeah, so diversity is the thing now, and that's what we talk about all the time here on Outlook. And uh, so we think it's important that students learn about blindness in Canada because, I mean, there are a lot of disabilities, and they all are important, of course. But um, blindness has a unique history and a unique past and situation in this country, as we've talked about on the show before with the CNIB, which most people are familiar with that name. Uh, but there's more stories to tell than just that. And so that's what we're going to talk to Peter today about. <laughs> because um, the reason why we do this show is that we want to get our story out. We want to get the stories of others out, their outlooks. And that's what we share here on Outlook. But, you know, sometimes you only hear one note. And, and anytime the media or anytime anybody wants to deal with any blindness issues they go right to the CNIB and as an organization they sort of speak for blind people in Canada when really that's not exactly where we're all at and uh, we all have a different experience with the CNIB of course but uh, so we're getting to know Peter a little more and so the podcast has been out for a while about a month maybe they have three episodes out Uh, the first one is the introduction where we meet the team of the Pandora project and then they've had two others since then One of them, they interviewed an author who wrote a book, um, sort of World War I and the Halifax explosion in 1917. Uh, Those were sort of key historical events in Canada for blindness. A lot of just people in the city of Halifax were um, at the window when that explosion happened. And a lot of the glass, you know, broke into the house and people just, they heard, a, they heard a commotion sort of and they went to check their window, which is not the thing to do. Uh, so a lot of people were blinded in that accident. Hello? And also all the vets coming back from World War One. Okay, I, I, I can hear you, but you're breaking up really, really bad. In between World War One and World War Two, of course. Um, so both wars would have had a lot of veterans come home um, blind and oh, wait, wait, it's getting better. requiring are you, are you, services. And that's sort of when the CNIB all sort of came to be. So. It's reasonably good now. And... Uh, of course, yesterday was world was Diabetes Day, uh, 100 years since the discovery of insulin, and that's tied into blindness in a way too, because um, diabetes one of the yeah, okay. one of the results from from that can be blindness, and a lot of people end up blind from diabetes. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. So I wanted to highlight that also, but uh, we would have talked to Peter, but I don't know if anybody can hear in the background. Tim and Brian have been working on this with with Peter. We will likely have to reschedule. Because once we start talking, we want to get into this conversation, and it's not going to be so easy if he's breaking up. It won't be be easy radio to listen to. Let's just put it that way. I will talk to you later. (laughs) Anyways, so I guess we're going to have to just talk about the podcast without Peter today. And then when we get him on the show, we will revisit the subject. Don't worry, Karen. We have other things to talk about. I'll get my... uh, Oh, yeah. We do. Sorry. No problem. <laughs> thank you, Tim, for all your help here. Yes, thanks to Tim for uh, everything he does here. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Brian, are you sure? <laughs> you need another minute? No, no, I'm all good. I just uh, I was hearing a weird buzz, but I think we're all good. I don't so, yeah, hear it. We're going to have to postpone Peter um, until a future show. Uh, sorry, folks. I was trying <laughs> trying to see if we could w- work it out, but I just think... You know, it's the, the circumstances are totally out of our uh, control this morning with mm-hmm. landslides going on in Abbotsford, British Columbia, which is close to where Peter Field is, was calling in from. Um, so, yeah, just very bad reception. And out of all the places in Canada he could be <laughs> or that could that sort of situation could happen, it had to be affecting him on this morning. Right. Well, that's the thing about live radio, right? I, I mean we talked about pre-recording this interview and mm-hmm. and we could have done that and uh, in a way maybe we should have but it's mm-hmm. I still love the spontaneity of live radio so I prefer to do it live when it's when it's doable Yeah. Um, but you have to kind of think on your feet and if, if there's too many connection issues and it's too choppy sounding it's just not worth no. worth going through too that too stressful right? so, and yeah. everybody will turn their radios off and then we would understand that yeah totally so 
<laughs> but um, we actually plan to have another guest next Monday on the show in the same sort of scenario. But um, hopefully we have better luck that with that one. Yeah, I think the main thing is to always get in early, which we did today. We got in in really good time and tested it prior to going on air. But I think you have to do that. And if the person is like cutting out too much, then you just have to make that decision on the fly to be like, oh, I think we're going to postpone. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping we could pull it out today because I was... Really interested in today's topic. Yeah, um, we were looking forward to speaking with Peter. We, Like we said, we've seen about a few things, virtual things here and there in the last few months, but really before that, we didn't, we weren't aware of him, and that's what's interesting about this show. We're able to um, speak about all these different things and then bring a bunch of people into the conversation, and then you, you meet interesting people that way. Indeed, yeah. He was at a trivia night a few months ago put on by the Canadian Federation of the Blind, and that's how we originally connected and he is involved uh, with the Alliance for the Equality of Blind Canadians um, and various other things this project Carrie's been talking about. I, th- I think that's what you were talking about while I was, <laughs> that is what I was talking scrambling about. around to, to sort things out here. Triple Vision. Triple Vision podcast. So yeah, we can still definitely promote the podcast today. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely look it up. And uh, Yeah, it was, a, it was um, put together with a generous contribution from T-Base Communications, which I'm not familiar with them. Did you look into them? Yeah, so have to do more. So, yeah, I was actually familiar with, I'd heard of T-based communications a number of years ago. I was trying to to remember if I actually got a scholarship through them for college or if I just, if they offered one, but I think I might have been too late for that one. Um, I did get a couple (laughs) of scholarships, one through the Alliance for the Equality of Blind Canadians, actually, the organization that that Peter is involved in. Did you get one from the CNIB? And I also got one from the CNIB, yes. I got two, Mm -hmm. I had two scholarships when I was in... uh, college at Fanshawe here in London, right. Ontario. Um, but yeah, T-based communications, I looked it up this morning just to get a bit of an idea. So described as, is the North American leader in design, production, and delivery of accessible statements, documents, and online services for our customers in the financial, telecom, healthcare, government, and education markets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I figured it was something like that, a technology. It, yeah, so yeah, it's it's pretty much dealing with accessibility accessibility, excuse me. And uh, one of the definitions too, this is how it ties into blindness is people who have low vision or are blind along with their friends and family are a growing and influential market. T-based makes it easier to deliver great customer experiences with accessible communications that build relationships in braille, large print, audio, and online. So it just sounds like they're very big on accessibility. Maybe when we do get Peter on, Maybe we'll have him on, Carrie, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, that's what I thought. When we have him on, we will uh, get him to, to talk about it a bit more. Maybe he's more familiar with T-Base, but he, he's definitely familiar with the AEBC, mm-hmm. the Alliance for the Equality of Blind Canadians, which I do know a little bit about, but not much. Carrie, you were going to bring up that you were at one of their conferences um, a few years ago, I think. Yeah, and I admittedly do always still forget what the A stands for. <laughs> All these acronyms Alliance. for all these things, yeah. yeah. Alliance, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to keep track of all. Of I those should remember things. one. That's a, that's a powerful word in in these sort of organizations. I think uh, because it's what we wanted to talk about: how we can uh, team up, and you often get more done that way when you're trying to make change. If it's just you all alone, you know, you usually have to scream into a void, and and you rarely get heard. Uh, so how do we bring blind Canadians together to help us all get what we want <laughs> more easily? Because we're all so different, you know, we're blind, but we have so many other things that make us so unique as, as human beings. So it's not always easy to bring us all together, but I like, I like that it's such a, it's a very good empowering word there. Yeah. So had you, had you mentioned that, that Peter actually reached out to us. Um, dealing with the blind community and needing to work together as a community mm-hmm. and the difficulties that we f- we face with that here in Canada, it's just everything being so spread out and just any community to get together can be tricky, but it seems like the blindness community in particular is a really hard one to sort of all work together a bit more and really sort of get to know each other and to motivate and, and work to together to, to make change. Um, and that's something that we're, we're big on here on Outlook and we're, we're trying to talk about more and more. So... I think it's really great that he reached out on this topic and it was just going to be more of a brainstorming, open discussion on community and, you know, the different communities we've, we've all been involved in from CNIB to CFB to AEBC in Peter's case. <laughs> um, I, I'm interested in the AEBC and I maybe I should be 
become a member at some point. Um, I'm not quite sure what all that involves, but just, you know, how there's so many different ones. The CCV, that's another one. And all of these will come up um, th- through this Triple Vision podcast, I'm hoping. Um, yeah. Especially the CFB, because we talked about that, Carrie, last year. We had Peggy, the blind history lady, on our show, but she was from the U.S. Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot we did bring it up on that show with her, yeah. Yeah, so she uh, she is just great as far as keeping up on history of blindness, but that's in the United States, and we kind of feel like there's a bit of a void here in Canada where we don't have... A lot of people kind of don't know about our history and, and what brought us to where we are today, and um, so that's what this Triple Vision podcast is looking at, but I also remember after we had Peggy on from the States, she didn't really know too much about Canadian history of, for blindness either. Yeah, it was basically, she obviously had heard of the Halifax explosion. So she visited there, I believe she said, and had done some research, or did she say she had relatives who lived there at one point? But um, that's, you know, that's a big historical event. I'm not sure if all our listeners have heard of it, but if you haven't, look it up. It's really interesting how that that whole day went. I mean, interesting, horribly damaging for many. But uh, but yeah, so... Yeah, I, we we had her... On and then after that, Carrie, you and I did an episode about Canadian history, and we did do a bit of research that day um, to try and figure out a bit about our history here. Um, and that's that's where. Wait, did we? I don't remember doing that. One. Yeah, we did a whole. Actually, I actually have all the notes from it here. I brought them because I thought maybe we'd want to reference some of the history stuff. Oh. Um, and that's that's the the formation of the the original Canadian Federation of the Blind back in the 1920s, um, and that was the work of Philip E. Layton himself blind, who operated a successful piano tuning business in Montreal, and he also helped to found the Montreal Association for the Blind, a rehabilitation center, teaching adaptive skills and largely run by blind consumers. Um, And that was, I believe that was in 1910. Um, Yeah, it predated the the CNIB. Well, that was the school in Montreal. The the CFB was in the 20s. Right, okay. Um, But this this Montreal school that that Leighton... um, was involved with that started um, back in in uh, 1912 or 1910. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's another thing that I I don't know, and that's another thing I think that comes up with our history in Canada is Quebec is kind of separate in a way, right? And it's mm-hmm. unfortunate. And I wonder. I hope that the Triple Vision podcast will talk about the blind in Quebec as well, because that is part of Canada, and they have their own sort of um, experiences that they that they went through there and. Well, as I was saying, as you guys, you kind of came back on air, was that the the second two episodes that have been released of the Triple Vision podcast now, it's through AMI Audio, which we will touch on that too, possibly here. But uh, you can find it on the podcast apps, of course. Um, yeah, if you just search for Triple Vision, you'll, you'll find the podcast, and they have three complete episodes done yeah. so, so far. So the first one was introducing the team, and then the second one was the author of a book about that time, the Halifax explosion in World War One, and the CNIB, and then uh, vets coming back from World War One, And then the, their most recent episode, they actually spoke to a previous CEO of the CNIB, who is himself blind, whereas the current CEO is not, uh, which we've touched on that before, but... Um, that's it, James Sanders was his name, or is his name. He's is still, his name, yeah. He's still with us. Um, so James Sanders is his name, and he's on the most recent episode, CNIB History with James Sanders. Um, and he talks about a lot of the same things because it all kind of came out of the veterans in the, the Halifax explosion that really pushed this, this, this uh, movement towards, you know, the CNIB coming to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like we say, there's so many stories, and so that's part of it, but... Uh, um, we're hoping they are going to go back even further into history, uh, as they've said, even before the, the the you know the formation of Canada as a country. Uh, I think next episode they're interviewing an Indigenous. Um, I'm not sure. I believe it's a woman, Indigenous woman. Oh, I didn't even um, see where they'd advertise. I think at the end of this, uh, the oh, most I, recent I, episode. I didn't, I didn't. I was listening to the CNIV history one, but I just didn't quite finish it yet. So okay. I guess I'll hear about that, but we will. Continue to talk about this Triple Vision podcast on the show. Yeah, there was no rush sure. because I we basically wanted to um, visit the one, that first episode with Peter on it because we just wanted to hear again what he had to say about himself on that one and how he got involved and then we were going to ask him about that today. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, so we will we will have him on in, in future 
um, to talk more about that. But they did say that the mission of the Triple Vision podcast is to gather and document previously untold Canadian blindness narratives, one lived experience at a time, and to make our history accessible and universally known. So we talk about that all the time, right? About, you know, lived live experience, but, you know, not all blind people have had the same experience, obviously. And we want, we always like to emphasize that, you know, it's, it's too bad actually we feel like we have to, but <laughs> sometimes you feel like you need to reiterate that point. But, but yeah, no, it's a great podcast. And I think, what's the theme song for their... Is it Van Halen? I don't know. I'm I'm not sure if it's a like or a like a rip off, just, like a just sort of a, like a instrumental. Version. Yeah, it could be just like maybe a royalty free music. There's yeah. some stuff out there that kind of sounds like other songs, but isn't isn't uh, the exact song. I can't think of it um, now, but there's another podcast. It might be another one put out by AMI, which is Accessible Media, and uh, it might be another one of, on their roster that has another song, the, the theme song that I recognized. Well, I think that reminds me of the one from the AT Banter podcast from out oh. west and we're going to have them on our show as well yeah. um, I think their theme kind of reminded me of that one as well but one of the things that we were going to bring up Carrie that um, and we will maybe mention again when Peter is on with us is is the fact that the podcast is through AMI um, Accessible Media Incorporated mm-hmm. which which is great because they are an awesome um, media service here in, in Canada yeah. that, that promotes accessible accessibility for everyone and uh, is a very you know, it's a, it's a great network, but the, the thing I sometimes wonder is it still feels very separate. And and I realize that the the blind community we're trying to all work together, so it's important that it that it is you know accessible and available for blind people. But sometimes I wonder if there would be any way to get something like this on more of a mainstream network, like the CBC. Just throwing out as an example, just something that that more Canadians have heard of, so that you know sighted people who are sighted can maybe get in on this discussion a little bit more as well and learn a little bit. Um, and well, I realize there's the half of it is that we want um, blind people to know our own history and to hear each other's stories and feel connected. But at the same point, the show is also, like we say, Outlook has dual purposes. Their podcast, I believe, also is to educate the wider Canadian community. Right. So in order to do that, I don't know. I just, I don't, yeah. as far as I'm aware, like most people I've mentioned AMI to hadn't even heard of it. It's available on your, you know, on, on your cable, cha- on your cable and a satellite, different channels. There's an audio channel and a, and a, and a TV channel, but yeah. And they, so now they're, they, you know, put, you know, they moved into the podcast world like everyone else is doing. Uh, so that's great. But yeah, are they reaching Canadians who are sighted, who we also want to understand what blindness has been in Canada all these years? I don't think so, which is unfortunate. And I mean, you know, we don't know on any given day who, who listens to our show here on Radio Western. Uh, but I also think it's great that we now are, are a podcast ourselves. But we are off. Um, we're we're speaking um, to people who can find us by podcast, but also here locally in London on Radio Western. So the local community. So you know that the kind of audience we're getting here. That's one more area of an audience that we're reaching that AMI just won't reach which is unfortunate and yeah the CBC would obviously be the big the big ones here in Canada but um, I guess one step at a time or something I don't know yeah I mean I'm not you know this is still great this is so great that they're doing this and yeah. and I'm definitely interested to follow along with it I just I do hope eventually somehow we can get some more mainstream attention on things that that isn't that is a part of you know the general news cycles and and gets more involved in in the mainstream news rather than sort of being more separate but um yeah it's an ongoing it's an ongoing thing to bring awareness and and advocate and and all this stuff so it's a uh, it's all a learning experience right yeah i wonder if anybody in our audience listening here today locally have um if i wonder if anybody made it out to the banting tour last night i, I heard that the the home in, in, in here in london of the inventor of insulin uh Banting. Uh, there was a tour, I guess, in person yesterday, and then um, a virtual one, which I could have caught but didn't. Well, I heard it was. It's a hundred years ago since mm-hmm. the invention of insulin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they've been talking about that now, and um, it was recently also like di- diabetes awareness. Yeah, that was yesterday. Um, it might be the whole month too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and our our uh, our brother, our brother-in-law, has uh, has diabetes. So type one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's gotten you know, something that's closest to us as well. And that's another, 
well, not necessarily a disability per se, but um, it can be disabling. It could be disabling, yeah. It's another it's another condition, at least, right? That some people mm-hmm. that people go through. So it's another thing that we would like to talk more about on this show. And well, for us in particular, and me, I find it that diabetes is connected. I can I can understand the symptoms of diabetes and kidney failure, which you and I have both been through, are similar enough that I really I really feel an affinity to people with diabetes. Not to mention, which I've talked about before, probably not here, but uh, in our past, our great uncle had diabetes as a little boy, and this was years ago, and he died. So I always feel sort of a deep connection to him, even though I never, you know, sadly never got to meet him. You know, obviously, even our parent, our mother didn't get to meet him. Um, and so just to imagine what it would have been like. And, and like I said, the fact that diabetes, um, some, you know, effects from that can be blindness or kidney failure like it's just so yeah it's interesting how it is (laughs) like kind of connected in a a way and that's you know we don't carrie and i you know don't have diabetes uh luckily but we have you know we could any any you never know in the future what could happen but it seems relatable enough anyway i would have liked to go to the tour this the snow yesterday and again we talk all the time if i if i could see and i had a, a vehicle and i could hop in the car you know, even the spur of the moment and say, I want to go check out this event in London. I could go and I wouldn't have to, you know, find a way to get there and ask someone to go with me or make a big plan to take public transit or whatever it is, right? It's just not as easy to just... Well, it's like we talk about often is with the shows that we, we try to really, you know, put out the positive philosophy of blindness to really, to really make people realize like there's still a lot of people that, yeah, you know... It's not the end of the world. It's still often considered to be one of the biggest f- feared things, like even worse than cancer for Such a lot a of people would tragedy, fear it. Yeah. When, you know, cancer is deadly. Blindness isn't generally deadly. <laughs> you can still live a life. Sure, it's a different it's a different life. And, you know, I, I've i been born blind, so I, I can't imagine losing my, my, my sight uh, if I was a bit older. Like, I, I, can, I know it's a challenge for sure, but we're just trying to change the, 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 the public's perceptions to make it not as scary and again it's going to be it's hard to do because mm-hmm. it is something until that, you're directly around it or affected by it you know you can listen to us all you want on the radio um, but it's you know I guess it's it's the best we can do but that's why you <laughs> just need people. you need more blind people talking about it yep. in in society and in situations that like more mainstream and we, we're always we're and, always fighting the isolation that a lot of blind people end up feeling and then they they don't have a voice and they don't get a chance to speak their minds so then nobody hears from them and they're hidden away. Right, and so. I mean, all of the events that we were, you know, starting to talk about there with uh, the veterans and the and the Halifax explosion and stuff, at that point, things did start to change a little bit. Like before the war, you know, blindness was even more mm-hmm. sort of hidden away and, and pitied and stuff. And we still notice this stuff going on today even. Yeah. And it's it's unfortunate, but it's, it's... Well, like you said, we want to put a p- positive spin on, on our lives because there's so much positive we can talk about on any given day. But at the same point, we don't really believe in being inauth- inauthentic. We want to we explain that there are, you know, barriers. But we really, the social model of disability um, and for blindness means that the biggest problem we have is the bar- are the barriers that society has, has put in our way, not the blindness itself. So we're not constantly on the hunt for a cure. We're always just trying to find ways to live live happy, successful lives, just like anyone. So we want everything, all the things that anybody else would want. And just sometimes you have to go about it differently to get there. Well, it's the it's the whole statement kind of about blindness is an is an inconvenience more so. And yeah. and and your example there, Carrie, of not being able to drive to not just quick, you know, drop by London for this for this tour yesterday. Like that's something that is inconvenient when you can't see. There is still a way you could do it. You could oh, take, yeah. like you said, you could take a city or you could take uh, the bus. Well, I guess there's no more. It's mostly a train. Um, now. Yeah, at this point, I think it's the train to London for you. Um, but it's the same as like we have a friend who's expecting his second child, and and he doesn't live hours away, but he doesn't live right around the corner either. So to get there, it's like well, you could take the train, and then you take a you know a, <laughs> a street. You know, you know, and then you take a bus, and then you, it sounds more complicated than it is. So it's and not you know, so easy just to drop by. But the thing is, too, like a lot of sighted people, this friend we're talking about, um, he's he's married to someone, and she she's sighted, but she doesn't drive either. So mm-hmm. sighted people can still have the same sort of inconvenience sometimes if they're oh, just yeah. not able to drive, or they're not interested, or they can't afford a car, or whatever the situation is. Right? It's something anyone could be in at some point, but 
you definitely it does provide you with that independence to be, to be able to hop in a, your own car and drive. And mm-hmm. this actually is, is interesting, Carrie. It ties in. Um, when I actually got back, I took an Uber on Friday to my music show. I took the bus home, the city bus here home. Um, but I wanted to get here nice and early and I didn't want to deal with the bus. So I took an Uber here and I got an email later that it was my 99th Uber <laughs> ride. And they were like, congrats, it's your 99th. And I don't know if I was pleased for that or it was like, oh no, how much money have I spent total on those 99 trips? Mm. Um, but I mentioned it to my friend here in town who's sighted and he's like, yeah, I've mainly, I've maybe had 25 um, and it's because he has a car, so he doesn't need to take Uber. He was the Uber driver for a while. Yeah, he did actually drive Uber briefly, and I think he maybe got to at least 100 trips driving. <laughs> um, so it's just interesting to, to think about that. And But then you also realize a car comes with you know a lot of responsibility and payments. And mm-hmm. so it's it's pros and cons to so many different things, and um, that's why it's such a such an interesting discussion to really start thinking about. Mm-hmm. But what do you say, Kara? We're at the halfway point here. I say we... Take a little break. Regroup. Yeah, regroup. And we'll be right back here on Radio Western with more Outlook. Welcome back. You're listening to Outlook here today on Radio Western. And... Good uh, Monday morning, everybody. Oh, yes. (laughs) A little bit of a rough start today. (laughs) Yeah, before the break, we were just saying we had technical difficulties with a guest we were hoping to bring on Outlook this morning, live with Zoom here in the studio. You know, we could have done it from home, no problem, but uh, it's not how it happened. So yeah, we were talking about his podcast, the Triple Vision podcast, and we'll get into that again when we rebook him, hopefully. Coming up, hopefully before the end of the year. (laughs) Yeah, we're at the scramble now, right? It's it's November now, almost over. Before you know it, it's halfway through it. So... We're, we're winding things down here for the year, but we do have a really exciting interview coming up next week, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Another book that, that uh, I, uh, I'm almost done, actually. I have just the final section to read today, 44 pages left. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a really interesting book. I don't know how much we want to tease about it before next Monday. And this one, she reached out to us, didn't she? Yeah, so I'm really interested to find out. I don't know if I'd really asked her yet how she came across us t- to begin with. And it's one of those things, right? We, so far, we've pretty much done our own searching for guests and, and inviting people. But mm-hmm. it's so nice for a change when somebody else reaches out, and especially when it's something super interesting, like the like the case for next week. This this book, it's called "Holding On by Letting Go." Um, I guess I'll just mention it by yeah. Heather Hutchison. So you can look it up, and we'll definitely talk about it next week. Yeah, it's it's a very smooth read. It's so well written and. And it talks a lot about, like I, I sort of said, the isolation of blindness. The 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 big thing is still out there. Is still a lot of shame around it in in families and in society, and and so that obviously trickles down and affects the person directly f- affected. So yeah, we'll talk a lot about that. I think. Well, it's um, an interesting but, because it, it ties a lot into mental health. Mm-hmm. That this book, um, the the author, you know, deals with mental health and depression and this kind of stuff and stuff that I'm I'm very much interested in I just think it's so important and I know I've brought it up here on the show before that mental health and this is kind of a discussion that I think a lot of people are having or are aware of especially since the pandemic which really just accentuated things even more is this this mental health that it's just not the mental health system is still not nearly as good as it could be and and this 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 novel it talks about her life uh, growing up and everything but then it goes into her experiences during the pandemic where she had to be admitted into a psych ward um, just because she already dealt with mental health and the pandemic kind of put it over the edge um, so we will have a discussion with her next week if I'll if she's all in BC planned. too but hopefully be <laughs> hopefully known. everything's cleared up by then and <laughs> there's no more I believe she's in Victoria, though, right? I'm not sure. I, she says on Vancouver Island, but I'm not oh, sure okay. what what city on Vancouver Island uh, she resides in currently. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of interesting stuff in that book, so we'll get into those discussions next week. Yeah, and then the week after that, we were going to have an episode on Helen Keller, sort of putting Helen Keller behind me sort of a thing. I was going <laughs> to explain what that means, but as far as a lot of blind people kind of resent Helen Keller, uh, not anything directly she did it's just that it's hard to live up to somebody on a pedestal like that that the whole world has heard her name 
that's who you think of historically anybody, anyways when you think of blindness and deaf blindness I mean more modern times it's more Stevie Wonder and things but uh, Helen Keller will always be have the, that place in history and it's a lot of us kind of we're, we're sick of talking about it but yet there's so much about her story that was never it was never discussed so much and that's what fascinates me so there was a recent episode on PBS uh, about her uh, and so we were going to sort of look into that a little more but so now we may postpone that and have Peter on that week yeah, so it's all it's all juggling, you know, when you're doing doing your own show like this. It's an interesting mm-hmm. uh, experience, and you you live and learn, and and yep. uh, we're just also getting used to being back live. So that's also uh, right something to kind of get back in the groove with. And we haven't really done like I think the last live interview on air we did, Carrie, was with with Ben Fulton. Yeah, and that would have been in February of 2020 before the pandemic. So well, I got so used to doing interviews on Zoom from my house, <laughs> so. Obviously, this is different, the live interviews. Yeah, so we're going to switch gears here now. And so, of course, this past Thursday was Remembrance Day. Mm -hmm. And I've already been talking about how November is National Indigenous Disability Awareness Month. So that is a new one to me and many people. And, of course... We talk about intersectionalities on Outlook. We talk about diversity and those who are Indigenous and blind in Canada, they would have additional struggles and barriers that you and I, Brian, don't have as white settlers on this land. Yeah, and I mean, that that ties into just, you know, Indigenous veterans in, um, specifically as well, that mm-hmm. not even referring to the, the disability part, which no. is also an important part. And we want to... Well, we have our thoughts on Remembrance Day also because it all peace and... and we're, we're still looking to get some, some indigenous blind guests on this show as well. So we're still on the hunt for that. And if you ever, if anyone's listening or knows anyone that would be interested in speaking more about indigenous issues, if they have a disability, blindness is kind of the main thing for us, but any disability oh, honestly yeah. would be interesting. Well, that's, it's, it's, it's not just indigenous blindness awareness month. So totally. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, we're going to continue that on uh, into 2022 and beyond. So we would like to talk more about it. We just, we aren't, we aren't as aware, which is unfortunate, right? So. Yeah, so I'll just remind our listeners again, if you do want to reach out, if you know anyone who is Indigenous or would be interested in being on the show or just any topics or anything that, that you might want to talk about on, on Outlook, you can always reach us, Outlook on Radio Western at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. But Carrie, since Remembered Stay There, I found a po- uh, post on Facebook that uh, somebody shared and I thought we would read it on the air today because I think it really does sum up the injustices and the, and the things that have gone on in Canadian history here that... And this is just as good a place as any, even though this is not a podcast specifically about Indigenous issues, right? But like we say, these intersectionalities crisscross and we care about having a more diverse Canada and we need to start by acknowledging things that have happened and still have lasting results. So yeah, Remembrance Day is a very sensitive day for most people. The poppies, it's a, it was 100 years since the poppy came to be the the thing you did wearing that on your on your over your heart uh but yeah we have our thoughts on it first of all we did want to mention that again no disrespect to any of the veterans uh we wouldn't be where we are in canada without their sacrifices it's just like one of the rituals of that day is is flying airplanes in woodstock where i live they had these flyover i don't know what kind of aircraft it was to honor the day but brian and i just have some issue with needing to fly planes on this sort of for this sort of thing. I just think for for new immigrants to Canada who may have come from a war zone, I I can imagine it could be triggering. I know our own grandparents who lived through World War II uh, had said something about that at one point, I believe. So I can only imagine. Uh, but also for the environment, we just we don't know if it's necessary. But other than that, we, we you know we wanted to read this post that you came across, Brian, today because it all it all is connected. Yeah, so this was a post by somebody by the name of Ian Anderson, and this is a post from a year ago, so just keep that in mind, not that it makes a huge difference, but um, so he, um, or th- this person is a former journalist at Maclean's and Montreal Gazette here and Reuters, and uh, former office of the government of the Prime Minister of Canada, so definitely a, uh, you know, a person who's had some pretty high positions here and 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 stuff like that so this just this post really i thought sums things up quite well um he was speaking with his indigenous friend's grandfather and uh 
and learned about the way Indigenous Canadians were treated when it came to the wars here. And um, so, Carrie, I just thought we should read this post on the air and uh, we're going to divide it up between the two of us. So if you want to go ahead and, and start it out, if you have it all up on your Braille display over there. Yeah, and again, this is not what we... We did not learn any of this in history class or whatever. No. <laughs> Social studies, so... Right. Yeah, so some 10,000 Indigenous men and women enlisted to fight for Canada in the World War in the World Wars. But technically you could not call them Canadian because there was no citizenship for indigenous peoples during the first or second world wars or during Korea for that matter. While indigenous peoples in the US attained citizenship and the right to vote in 1925. Uh, partly in recognition for their ser- their service in World War One, And Canada withheld citizenship until 1960, when John Diefenbaker finally acted. But that sad information was just the start for me, referring to Ian Anderson, who's put out this post. Of the 4,000 Indigenous men and women who enlisted in World War I, none were provided the post-war benefits available to non-Indigenous vets. Land, loans, education. As so-called wards of the state, Indigenous veterans were considered ineligible. In fact, and this is beyond callous, information about government programs for World War I vets was usually posted in local legions, and for most Indigenous vets at the time, the legions were off-limit. So Edith Anderson Montour from Six Nations in Brantford is celebrated as Canada's first Indigenous registered nurse, and she was. But she had to take her nursing degree in the U.S. Since any Indigenous person in Canada seeking education beyond grade school was was, uh, required to give up status which she refused to do. So, in World War I, as an American-educated registered nurse, she served on the front lines with the American Army Nursing Corps. Sergeant Tommy Prince from Manitoba was the most decorated Indigenous soldier in World War II. In fact, he received medals for valor from both the Canadian and U.S. armies, and he received them at Buckingham Palace from King George. After the war, and before he volunteered for Korea, he said he wanted to show that First Nations soldiers were as good as any white man. And he did, but he died penniless in 1977, very likely suffering PTSD. So following World War II, a truly remarkable program was announced for Indigenous veterans. They could be enfranchised, but only if they gave up their status. So it seemed just 250 chose to do this. Others did not get the choice. Incredibly, some Indigenous vets returned from World War II to discover they had lost their status as a result of being absent from their reservations for more than four years, a provision of the Indian Act at the time. And I know this this madness is difficult to believe. Yeah, so this is the the person who had originally shared it, that his friend's grandfather got his status back in the mid-1950s after the Korean War. He had, though he had to apply for it, and five years later, Parliament made him a citizen and allowed him to vote. So, it's just... Hmm. All of that stuff is just... Makes you think back on this history here in Canada when it comes to Indigenous people. And, of course, when it comes to veterans, it was... There was so much discrimination and so much going on that things just weren't equal and they weren't fair, and it's just... Uh, and of course, it was it was similar in the U.S. for African Americans, and here in Canada for people of color, it was you know similar to the indigenous situation there. So yeah, right. Like you go and fight for your country, and then you come back to your country, and what are you getting? Yeah, it's like from that you're the the person that's putting your life on, and then they take away your identity, and you know take away your your status as a you know a First Nations here in Canada, and just it's just disgusting so 
I was very... Right, but it's like, it all matters. It, we're all human beings and we deserve to be treated decently. So we can somewhat empathize with what that must be like and what that must have been like. Yeah, of course, there's big differences and mm-hmm. not no group of people is the same, but there are common threads that, that you know, go through all of these these different groups of people that aren't, you know, you know, looked at fairly in, in society and it's it still goes on today and it's it's just so unfortunate and it's obviously disabilities our main focus but any sort of injustice in, in any group of people or you know any any inequalities that go on in the world we like to talk about that on this show as well because it all ties into advocacy and human rights and all of these things do connect well yeah this, the CRPD is the Charter for Rights of Persons with Disabilities you know that can apply to anything you can think of in Canada and and, the, and we think that and the government does need to step up and start listening to what that charter talks about and as we've heard from the triple vision podcast for people who were blind and and doing advocacy before brian and i were even born right before the charter of rights and freedoms here in canada in the 80s there was even less rights so and of course we just don't learn enough about the indian act and what that what that was like for people yeah and and all these all these changes and progress is so slow um Mm. that it's it's just such a gradual thing but well, like they always say, it's like we ha- be patient. Progress takes time, but when it's when it affects you directly and it's your life, and you are, you know, dealing with prejudice of some sort of discrimination, you know, you don't want to wait. You don't ha- you don't have that luxury. It's not so easy just to say, oh, well, just give it time. You need to just let things, you know, play out. Unfortunately, people not everybody has time for that. Um, but I don't know that that means that there's anything we can do always so but that's why I'm happy to have this platform because anywhere we can speak out about these things I will do so yeah so I just thought that that tied in with Remembrance Day and and all of the indigenous news going on this year I saw on on the news there on that on Thursday they interviewed a bunch of school kids fairly young one of them was uh, recent I I believe recently uh, com- came here from Afghanistan and had fa- has family over there right now with all that's going on over there the Taliban taking over again and he's you know he's afraid for his family and his loved ones and just to hear these young children talk about what peace is what Remembrance Day means it was so beautiful because it was all about you know we need to talk to each other we need to listen to each other right because it's not just we're not just celebrating war for 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 that war for for war as it stands, but for the peace that we actually ultimately are working for, and so to hear this next generation and these young children learning what is truly important there, it was just really moving. Uh, I'm, I'm tired of hearing all the adults justify why they continue to fight wars. <laughs> That's all. I know you hear kids speak about it, and then you just you just know they're you know so, so innocent and and young, and they just. That's how we things should be, but then it often feels like once people become adults, they're yep. more immature than than most kids in, in a lot yeah. of ways. And it's just it's uh well, all the things we teach kids to do: get along, say you're sorry. You know, once you're an adult, well, we just say, oh, well, it's you know, it's just complicated grown up things. But I don't really, I don't yeah. really buy that at all. All right, you're listening to Outlook here today on Radio Western at 94.9 on the FM dial or online, radiowestern.ca. Broadcasting out of London, Ontario. Carrie and I, two blind siblings, talking accessibility, advocacy, and equality for blindness and all disabilities. So we have uh, 10 minutes left here. So what, what, else is, what else is new, Carrie? Did you want me to talk about my... I have a couple more lined up, but this connection I made with a mobility instructor back from high school, that's something I can talk a little bit about or if you had something else in mind for today we're sort of uh oh i got lots improving here as we, I, I got plenty of things i could talk about we, <laughs> we've been meaning to do another mixed bag show here at some point but we were had this interview planned for today that yeah. wasn't able to before the to end happen, of the year so. we were going to have another one uh i think probably by december uh, not to mention sort of a, a wrap-up show for this for the year because we do plan on taking a few weeks off i believe uh to celebrate hopefully with all our family that we normally celebrate with you know, you never know what's going on. I'm actually heading out for lunch tomorrow with a few friends that I haven't seen in a long time. And, you know, I get nervous. But at the same point, I don't want to become fearful to leave my house because of this pandemic, which it seems some days like that's what's happening to me. So. All right. Well, I want to talk about something a little more. Sure. Happy. 
I was going to talk about some of my things I've been getting, but I, I'd like to do a demonstration of the newest technology that I'm I, I'm using it on a loan. It's, I haven't bought it because it's a thousands thousands and thousands of dollars. This piece of equipment, uh, but it's something I wasn't really sure I could demo on the wow, air. Thousands and thousands. What yeah, I believe the OrCam reader, which is which again, not every blind person likes these sort of technologies because I mean we all use technology now, braille displays and phones, but this one is a little device that you wear on a pair of glasses or you can wear on your finger, I think. And if you point it towards a book and, and you take a picture with it, uh, it will read the whole page of the book. So you could read a, I could read a print book, whereas now I have to find that, uh, any print book I want to read, I have to find it in an accessible format, audiobook or ebook. Whereas this with this, I could pick up any old book or any piece of mail. And there are apps on the phone now for this. So most people don't well, that's the thing. have there's, thousands of dollars to spend on this, this there's, tech. Yeah, it's often, it's now with these phones, you can get a lot of things in one in one phone and you don't have to buy all sorts of different pieces of equipment. But at the same point, you know, like not everyone loves iPhones and, you no. know, certain people that aren't as skilled with that or, you know, maybe some, some older people or just, just anyone who isn't, isn't as comfortable with an iPhone, it's sometimes nice to have a separate device that just does that thing specifically. And Well, there's like multiple ways to get somewhere, right? And there's multiple ways to do things. Luckily now with technology, we're in an age which is exciting. Well, that's why it's always, we always want, we talk about this balance between too many choices for things, yeah. but also not having just one option where it's sort of that monopoly where it's just, this is it and this is all you got kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it is important that they do have more and more devices that do similar things so you can figure out what works best for you and you have options instead of just, you know, this or that and that's it kind of mm -hmm. thing. So anyway, so I'm only, I'm only borrowing this OrCam and uh, I'm going to show it to you off air, Brian. I'm sort of teasing the audience, but I don't, you, know, you have to look it up on YouTube. There's, I'm sure there are demos on there because I, unfortunately I have to send it back again by next week. So. Yeah, you're just lending it actually from, uh, the, I mentioned earlier, this AT Banter podcast. Mm -hmm. And that's um, one, of the the, one of the people on that podcast is, is Steve Barkley, who was at our convention earlier this year. So you would have heard him on Outlook if you check out the convention shows that we put out back in, the, um, back in May and June um, that he... Uh, yeah, has he, this company. Yeah, um, Canadian Assistive Technology. Um, out, out west there and he will loan out things like that so mm -hmm. the website is actually can ask tech if, if you want to <laughs> look them up um, I love that which is kind of funny but uh, <laughs> that's cool that he sent you the, the or cam and I can yeah. say it's so that's one thing I've got in the mail recently that one I don't get to keep unfortunately uh, I did get something the other day which is a painting that a friend made me she lives in Oklahoma at the moment but I believe she wants to move to Canada uh, eventually to live with her partner who is in Manitoba. Uh, she's an artist and she does paintings and she generously made me one and sent it over. Uh, it's very tactile, which she did on purpose for me. So it's got like a... She embedded actual little rocks and stones in the painting and then she used like a, what is it, a shellac or a, a glossy finish. Uh, so it's a really smooth surface. So that almost ties into the art episode that we had. Mm -hmm. uh, that was just last week, the art episode. Yeah, and I want to talk more about accessibility and art in future episodes. So, yeah, it's a great little painting now that I own that I'm very proud of uh, that she made, especially for me. So I was checking that out recently. So, And I got a few other things coming that I will talk about because I do like to promote certain things when uh, it's products that are accessible, accessible accessories and clothing lines are becoming more of a thing and uh, I'm getting some jewelry sent to me that I won a prize recently. So I've had some luck recently, but not so much this morning. <laughs> but we're still here, so it's all right. We're still pulling it off here, so. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'll talk a little bit about then this this connection that I, I've i rediscovered here. So it's actually, I think I brought this up on the show probably at, um, last year because I did speak with a speak to a class at W. Ross, the School for the Blind in Brantford, about my experiences at Music Industry Arts. Um, this The the course here in London at Fanshawe College. Um, so pretty much, I had a mobility instructor in high school. Um, Who <laughs> teaches you cane yeah, independent that, travel, that's people for, aren't aware. Yeah, orientation and mobility is the, the term are often referred to as O and M. And that is teaching blind people to, to be able to travel independently. Um, so so this, this, this guy taught me mobility in high school. And I hadn't spoken to him since like 2004. He wasn't even there at the very end of my high school experience. Um, 
he was working, I believe, as a uh, teacher of blind students um, throughout throughout uh, Thames Valley District School Board. So he was traveling all around Ontario for a while there, um, and all this kind of stuff. But I hadn't heard from him in years, and then somehow he tracked me down online. I think he found one of the bands that I'm in to be able to find my name, and he emailed a ba- one of the bands and said, "Do you know Brian? Like, is there a way to get a hold of Brian?" <laughs> So I did I did get back to him and sent him an email and he got back to me and said that he now works at W. Ross as a guidance counselor. And actually, since being my mobility instructor, he has also experienced some some sight loss, which is quite I don't know, Carrie, is this the time you'd use a word like ironic? I've never I never use that word because I never want to use yeah. it incorrectly. Alanis Morissette ruined that word for me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but it's just the fact that he had chosen to work with blind students and taught mobility and then also worked in, and was already also working in schools. And he already had the, the job at W. Ross as a guidance counselor. And then this happened where he was noticing some things and, you know, it's a whole experience. We're going to have him on next year to discuss this in yeah, more detail. Yeah, it'd be detail. great to talk to him about, like, do we think that him already being, like we say, if you have no experience with blindness and then it comes into your own life, it can be so scary. Was it lessened at all by the fact that he had had experience around blind people and teaching right but I mean it's still an adjustment yeah so I know I'm not answering it caught him off guard and he I'm I'm wondering what he'll say it was diagnosed with it was inherited retinal dystrophy so that it was a genetic thing but nobody else in his family um actually had it um so he didn't he wasn't expecting it at all and well it's like us you know nobody else before us in our family had it so our parents were not expecting it right yeah so it was sort of a situation like that that back when he you know taught me mobility during high school he had no idea that he was gonna and he can still he still has some vision he's not he hasn't totally lost it but you know who knows what will happen in the future there with this diagnosis and it's something that he's you know i spoke with him actually on the phone a couple of weeks ago and talking about acceptance and all of these things that we discuss about blindness that can be tricky but just to quickly sum that up he uh he's been working with some students through guidance there that are interested in studying audio engineering and music production and since i all, i've done so myself and there aren't really enough blind people around here that that have done it at let's say fanshawe or any schools for for audio engineering that i he you know he reached out to me because i'm a good a good reference to have for that. And it, I just think it's really awesome to be able to see these younger students finishing up high school that are, you know, 15 years younger than I am at this point in my mid thirties, but are, are looking for futures in audio recording and, and this thing that is becoming, it's weird. Like with technology for a while there, it was inaccessible because technology hadn't caught up, but now it has. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just really great to hear, to connect with these students and, you know, my dream someday would be if one of them does end up going to Fanshawe here in London to help, to help tutor them, because when I when I studied music industry arts, I didn't have I did have tutors, but they were they were sighted, which which helped for some things, right? And that was important. But if I had had someone else who was blind, who had already taken the program, who could give me some tips and, and help me with some accessibility things, and I just think it would be it would be great to have that. So I'm at least honored that I'm able to provide that for other people in uh, in the future. So mm-hmm. it's a really interesting connection I've made here. I spoke with the class at W. Ross last year. And then this year I've already spoken with one of his, uh, students that he works with there and he's lined up two more. So I have one coming up later this week and then one next Tuesday. So I'll, uh, I'll keep you guys posted on, uh, the listeners and everyone, how those go. But the first one I had a couple of weeks ago was, was really great. Um, it sounds like the, the student that I, that I spoke to, it sounds like she benefited from it. And he said that she really appreciated it. And, had a great discussion. She asked a bunch of questions and I kind of just talked a lot about my experience in the, in the program. And big thing that I focus on is, is, uh, considering taking a part-time course load, not always going for the full course load. Cause it can be pretty overwhelming and quite a, quite a change. And also the thing that differs is that these people are at W Ross, which is a school for the blind, whereas I was integrated. So I went into university or college in my case, already being in a school with a whole bunch of sighted people. So sure, it's a shock to switch from high school to a to college, but I had that sort of experience a little bit more. Whereas if you're coming from a school of all blind people, that's an area I can't really speak on as much about the adjustment of, of fitting in with a, a school that, you know, is full of sighted people. And you're in a lot of cases, one of very few blind people in the entire school and most likely definitely the only blind person in the program that you're in. So, Which represents the wider world that we all go out into. Yeah, exactly. So it's more realistic and 
of course, it's the ongoing thing, and we still do want to do an episode about about schools, and there's pros and cons to both, um, but we just... Education. I don't have any children of my own. I don't have blind children, but I I'm heavily invested in the future and wanting to see blind children of today succeed in the future. And I know where um, I had my struggles for other various reasons, but that I want to see others uh, struggle less. So, yeah, great connection you made there, Brian. All right. Well, thanks Indeed. for uh, you know putting up with this and uh, you know. Sticking it out with us, everybody, with yeah. these issues today. Thanks for covering me in the beginning there, Care. And, uh, no problem. Yeah, find us on podcasts, Outlook on Radio Western, on Facebook as well, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>